Hello, everybody. Welcome to Camp Codger. Join us as three old guys share their often humorous, occasionally inspirational, and sometimes serious insights into this crazy experience called the Golden Years. Hi, I'm Gary Ebersall. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. In today's episode, we're going to look at news media then and now. But before we start, Randy, have you fished out some more great fan letters to camp that we can share? Campers were really excited by our last episode. You know, we talked about amazing senior citizens, and they thought that was a great idea. They really um, had fun with that. But the thing that uh, struck me the most was we got as many letters about my little, <laughs> my absent-minded codger story about myself. You know, my codger oh, yeah. moment of uh, losing my wallet in my own pants pocket. <laughs> there should be tons of wallets lying around in the streets of this of our towns, just ripe for the picking. You'd think so. You'd think so. All right. So our friend and listener and camper out there. Gordon Mortensen said the story of running off to the store without your wallet sounded all too familiar. There's nothing more aggravating and embarrassing than to spend the better part of an hour loading up your shopping cart than waiting while the checker rings you up only to discover that you've once again forgotten your wallet. And, and he has the same solution that I do, which is basically you put your keys in your wallet in the same place, so you, you got to take one or the other. He says, unfortunately, you have to make sure you don't get distracted and leave your keys on the kitchen counter. So either way, I mean, we're all fighting this. Jimmy Klotzo, or something like that. I don't know how to say your name, Jimmy. But we're all a bunch of old codgers here. But Jimmy says... I have a lovely new habit at the age of 69 of going back to the house at least twice every time I try to leave. <laughs> I do too, Jimmy. He says, inevitably, I forget my keys, my wallet, the mail that was supposed to go in the mailbox, and so, so on and so on. But at least that gives me something else to do when I have to go back and get it. But my favorite letter from the mailbag is from Marjorie. Now, Marjorie's like Cher and Liberace. She's so famous, she doesn't need a last name. It's just Marjorie. But Marjorie says, tell Randy I've, if I've misplaced something, I look for it in the refrigerator. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I love that, Marjorie. Thanks for the letter. Thank you all for the letters. If you have comments for us, absolutely send them to us no matter how silly they sound, because we get a kick out of all of them. You can leave your comments on the campcodger.com website. You can post a review on Apple or Amazon or any place where you get your, your podcasts. And we love all the comments. So thank you very much. Hey, could I add something on, on Jimmy and Gordon's sure. problems with leaving things behind? We all do the same thing. We always put our keys, our wallets in the same place every single time. And I'm really good at that. But what I found to, to mitigate the, the Jimmy problem or what Gordon says, leaving your keys on the counter, is I do the pat-down dance. Pat your left front, pat your right front, <laughs> pat your back left. I'm done. I got everything in my pockets. So if you do the pat-down you know, that basically mitigates that risk of leaving your keys on the counter. All right, Gary, you've just given us a great idea for a music video. The old codger pat-down <laughs> dance. Watch for that on YouTube. 
Randy, uh, Gary, that was great. Thank you, guys. Now, I think I can safely say that all of us have had news media as part of our lives, almost as long as we can remember. Each morning when I was a kid and up through high school, my family battled uh, at the kitchen morning table. Uh, uh, my dad grunted through the business uh, news, and then he grabbed the front page. My mom peered through the feature sections, uh, and my brother Ron and I, we fought uh, miserably over the sports section. That was our news consumption until early evening. We didn't think about news again until Dad got home from work, and we all watched the 6 p.m. national TV news. In our household, it was always Walter Cronkite. Somewhere in there, we also took in the afternoon or p.m. papers, uh, and during the week, it was either Time or Newsweek. That was the sum total of news consumption for the Kipling household. What about you guys? Can you describe your media lives growing up? What was your family's routine? Gary, you want to start? Sure. Ours was very similar. I think we were, we were all constrained. There were limited sources of news material. <laughs> and we had your newspapers on a daily basis. You had your news on TV, whether it was the local news or the national news, or you had magazines every week. That's it. And they came at very specific times. Our family was a little different. For some reason, we didn't read the morning paper because that was the labor paper. And our family was a little bit more Republican, which means we watched, listened to the afternoon paper. Now, that happened to be Seattle. So different cities had different papers associated with the parties. Your consumption of news was measured in minutes, not hours. Our consumption was almost identical to yours, and I think that was typical of most Americans. But that's very interesting, Gary, because what you're saying is that news had slots, time slots, and outside of those slots, you weren't thinking about news. You weren't accessing news. There was nothing new to access. Randy, how about you? Same thing, same thing. When I was a kid in suburban Detroit, we got the afternoon paper. I was too young to know the political difference between the Detroit Free Press in the morning and the Detroit News in the afternoon. I was just used to seeing the paper show up in the afternoon. It wasn't until we moved to Los Angeles when I was 10 when we started getting a morning paper, the Los Angeles Times. But either way, you know, that was the news consumption via print, and my family was a Huntley-Brinkley family, so we watched that <laughs> particular news show every night. I and mean, We never watched Cronkite. It was so funny. We're all, we're all brand-specific even back then, but that was it for news. I think it would be interesting to talk about how we felt about the news back then. It was part of our day, but it wasn't all-consuming. And we had a certain relationship with Walter Cronkite or Huntley Brinkley. We trusted them. And we didn't question the news. We didn't question We the read news. it. That was the fact of the day. And that was it. We and, or we listened to Cronkite. That was the truth then. With a voice like that, yeah. how can you not trust? That's a huge difference, you know, then and now. I grew up trusting the news. I grew up thinking that they were reporting facts and facts alone. That's the way it was. Right. There was no reason to question it because these are guys who knew what they were talking about. Well, don't forget, though, we're kind of generalizing about maybe national news, international news. But the news is built on local news coverage, which is not so political. It's simply being there and having the numbers to cover city hall, county government, the jail system, 
the police force, education, all those areas. And those are critically important areas to a local readership. And the problem is there, while we have many more sources now for general news, we have many fewer newspapers than we had before. In fact, I just dug a little bit. In 1980, 64 million households took the daily newspaper. In 2020, it was down to 24. That's an extraordinary reduction in subscriptions. We're getting more news on the internet or more information, but maybe less news, less local news, because so many papers have either reduced staffs or closed up. That's absolutely true. I feel bad for local journalists because they've essentially been squeezed out of their profession. They can't do it anymore. There's no way to pay them to do what we have kind of taken for granted for our whole lives. The fact that we could find out from the local paper or the local TV station who was running for mayor in our town and get a critically thought through analysis. You take that away and what's going to happen to local politics? We aren't as informed about the local uh, communities that we live in as we used to be. Do you remember classified ads? I loved classified ads. Did you ever place one or answer one or buy something from one? I did all the above. Absolutely. Bought bought a car, bought, bought an old bike. But one interesting fact is how they have gone absolutely poof in this era. Craigslist has taken away the classified ad market for newspapers. They're, they're down from pages to columns. Those classified ads used to make newspapers thousands and even millions of dollars a year, and now they're gone. Literally, that section of the newspaper, the classified ads, was the most lucrative section of the paper for yeah. the newspaper company, and it's gone. It's just gone. We have used... Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and uh, Nextdoor, Mm -hmm. and there are so many alternatives Mm -hmm. that are faster, more user-friendly. For my money, or for my lack of money, I don't even have to pay for them anymore. They're much easier to use and more efficient. You take away the most profitable part of a company, and for newspapers, that was the classified section. And holy cow, it's no wonder they can't pay for the, the local reporting. Yes, exactly right. All right. I have a question for you, Gary. Which news environment do you like better? The one in 1960 or 70 versus the one we have now? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I love the one we have now. I much prefer the ability to pick and choose, to go to multiple sources, to be able to drill down and say, okay, this is interesting. What's the real story behind it? Maybe I'm doing the job of a journalist, but a journalist only has so many column inches to write in. And so it's not like they can write a missive for everything that they do. So I like the world today that says, there's lots of news sources out there. I don't have to rely on some person sitting at a desk somewhere in a virtual newsroom telling me what they figured out from an article that I can read myself. The old days of having to go down to the library and dig into the archives to figure out something, if you wanted more information, is not my fingertips. So I see the news as trigger points, as a point of saying, okay, here's something interesting. What else do I need to know about it? Where else can I find something else about it? So to answer Randy's question, I like today. 
Gary, you're driving me crazy here. We can't get you to say a single good thing about anything other than the fact that you want to be the one that controls what you read and what you believe. And and here's the here's the irony about that. You're an old guy. In fact, it's known to the public now. You are an old codger, right? <laughs> and you have and, Let me research that. And I researched this now. By the way, Google Gary Ebersole, old codger. Hey, shut up. I have a degree in journalism. <laughs> I researched this. You are an old codger. It's a fact. And you're probably one-tenth of one percent of the population who has the, the free time and the inclination to do the kind of research that you are capable of doing. Technically, we're Bingo. all capable of doing that. But I think what happens in a busy society, this is another fact, work takes up more time in a person's life than it ever did before in our in our lifetimes. We're constantly asked to do more and more and more. Unless you're retired, unless you're blessed with the ability to really drill into a story, you just don't have the opportunity or the inclination to ever, ever find out if a story that you're being exposed to is true. I just don't know. I mean, the answer to the question whether or not it was better then or better now is really, really hard to answer because it's complicated. But I think that one of the things that technology has done to the news is it's given every single person a chance to not only be an editor and a reporter, but a broadcaster. We can go online via social media. We can start our own quote-unquote news channel and put out the most ridiculous facts or the most ridiculous conspiracy theories, and they're instantly available whether they're true or not. It's really difficult to determine what's true without lots of time like you have and the inclination that you have to really drill in and find out what what's going on here. That's the downside that I see to what's happening now. For that reason, I have nostalgia for the, the Huntley, Brinkley, and the Walter Cronkite era. <laughs> it was simpler. It was just simpler because we didn't have to do that work. I want to start by saying that uh, today, as opposed to even a year ago, I have a whole different way of approaching the news. My wife, Allison, noticed something. And please let us know if you have had the same experience. Uh, I would start the day slowly and eventually build up to what she calls my high blood pressure look. And it was all about reading the news in the morning as I'm drinking my coffee. Recently, she suggested a new approach, and we're each following it. And that approach is no news consumption in the morning. We get up, we get our coffee going, I read sports, she does some writing, then we take off on our morning walk, and by the time we get back, we're in a glorious mood, the kind of mood that then we can use to dive into the news of the day. What about you guys? I mean, the news has been relentless for the last 10 years. Well, the news is relentless. It never ends. There are things that I love about that because you can always look up what you want to know. Whatever story you're tracking, you can get a follow-up. But it's just so constant. The news cycle is mm -hmm. 24 hours, and it wears me out just trying to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. I've kind of adapted. But the same token, there's a lot out there. 
The problem is, is the ubiquity of both the sources and the platforms. Remember the good old days, you had to walk over to the TV and sit down and watch it. You got your TV in your pocket now. If you wanted to read the newspaper, you had to go into the living room and pull the newspaper off the newspaper stack and sit down and read the newspaper. You got your newspaper in your pocket right now, or if you happen to be sitting at your computer, it's there. The ubiquity of the platforms and the ubiquity of the sources, I think makes it really hard. I've done a couple things. One is we don't have cable TV, and that was a conscious Don't have it either. Conscious decision, mm-hmm. because almost everybody I know that has cable TV has it on. It's always on. It's always background being or watched. foreground. It's a background noise, but it's also a background irritant. It's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest one. My other approach is just to be conscious about what I'm reading. I don't feel I have to follow every clickbait headline, because the clickbait headlines are what the news is all about. I mean, the news is a business. But I look at it and say, that that headline is there for me to respond to. And I'm going to say, screw it. I'm not going to respond to your headline. So I think by consciously limiting the streams, by not having cable TV, for instance, and just being very conscious and saying, yeah, I'm not going to do this. So I'm down to 30 minutes in the morning. Mm. And then maybe, you know, in the evening, I'll do long form reading digital. I'll read it on my iPad. The Economist magazine, it's the New Yorker, something like that. But I've kind of stopped myself from doing it without having to say, go cold turkey. Why don't we wrap it up by saying that we would like to hear what your media world was like when you were growing up and how you get and filter your news now. Does anyone still get a newspaper thrown in the driveway? Does anyone have a special mailbox for your local paper, which I've noticed here in Santa Fe, all over the place? We would love to share listener experiences Just call up campcodger.com and click on Camper Corner. Find various ways to communicate your thoughts. You can also hit the comments button of a particular episode, this one, for example, and share with us. Thank you all for listening. Join us next week when Randy gives the old codgers a lesson in statistics when we explore the odds of being struck by lightning, winning the lottery, becoming famous, and other interesting long shots. We're not counting on any of these things happening, but join us anyway for a fun conversation. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, sign up at campcodger.com to receive email updates about new episodes. As always, we would be delighted if you left a comment below. You can also join the fun by checking out Camper Corner on our website.